so uh, uh, sadly to say, this we've been doing transforming truths, right? Scriptures in the Bible that if once we understand them and follow them, uh, they will transform our lives. And sadly, this one that we're doing today uh, is one that most Christians do not grasp. And we really should grasp it. We're going to cover really the introduction verses today and the introduction to the lesson. And that may be short, it may be long, I don't know. But we're going to stop after we get that part and then we'll start uh, the full lesson next week. But I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about. And I know you know what it is, but do are we already grasping uh, the concept? And that is the power to witness. Now, we're not talking about your power, my power, my ability, your ability, what I know, what you know, what somebody else knows, but that power to witness, we're going to talk about where that power comes from and the fact that every born-again Christian has that power available to them. It's not something that a few get, and it's not something that uh, certain uh, preacher and teachers get, uh, but it's something available to every Christian that is born again. And so uh, uh, the power to witness, and we're going to read, and uh, should be in your outline there, Acts 1, verses 2 through 8. And it says, Until the day in which he was taken up, of course, now he is Jesus, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles, whom he had chosen, uh, so he is risen again, and he has met with the apostles, and he's talked with the apostles, he's given them commandments, and says, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So this is 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, and he is speaking with the apostles and the disciples, and he is giving them instructions uh, to carry on after he goes back into heaven. And, of course, we know now that he goes into heaven on the 50th day, and that's the reason it's called uh, Pentecost, uh, that he went... So that's 50, anyway, 50 days. We want to get into all that. Uh, but it's 50 days he'll return to heaven. And then it said, And Jesus being assembled together with them. We need to understand that it, he is with them, just like he was before he was crucified. He is there with them, talking to them. They are listening to him and absorbing uh, what he says to them. It's not some mystery. It's not that a revelation that they got. He is there speaking to them. It says he, then the, ver the next word is commanded. We all know what a command is. There, there's nothing, this, this is not a word, well, in this case it might mean this or that. No, it means command. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Okay, that's the first thing he said. Stay here. Stay right here. But wait for the promise of the Father. 
He says, you need to wait right here because something is going to happen that's going to change your life. Which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water. Now, that's not, again, that's not a statement that they had trouble understanding. They know that John the Baptist baptized people in water, and they know all about that. They know all about baptism in water. But then he says, But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, at this point, they don't really grasp what he's saying because they don't have the Holy Ghost yet. He's telling them it's coming. They believe him, but they don't know exactly what he's saying because they haven't experienced the Holy Ghost in dwelling in them. Now, they've experienced the power of the Holy Ghost when Jesus sent them out to heal people, but he just gave them that power temporarily, put that power on them. It was not an indwelling of the Holy Spirit yet. really tells me that they don't really grasp what he's saying it's almost like he said it okay we believe it it's real and then they say something okay it says when they therefore were come together they asked him saying Lord wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel they're looking for the exact same thing the Pharisees are looking for they're looking for to overthrow the Roman power that's over them are you going at this time when you're talking about is that going to be when Israel again is restored to the power uh, that they had and, and we're going to push the Romans out we're going to rule our own land and we're going to be able to worship the way we want to are we going to they're not understanding that power yet and he said unto them it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put in his own power he said I'm talking about, I'm talking about something but that's not what I'm talking about that's coming but you don't even need to know when that is. And today we still talk about when that's going to be. And, and today there's still people that say it's going to happen then or it's going to happen at this date. It's going to happen on that date. And so far every time that date's come up, they've all been wrong. I've thought for a long time, well, somebody's going to be right because somewhere in the world there's somebody thinking every day is going to be that day. Eventually somebody's going to get it right. But it's not because they know or because they figured it out. Now, I don't think it's going to be something that, that God lets broadcast out, but somebody will probably be right. They're still asking the same question, and the answer is still the same. It's in God's hands. It's not in our hands. That's not what we have to worry about. That's not what we're to contemplate on. We're to contemplate on knowing the fact that Christ is returning again, knowing the fact that God will have power on this earth one day, but we don't have to know when it is. We don't, have, we, don't need, we don't need to know. Honestly, if we knew it wouldn't help us do more, we would do less. If we knew that it was in 2026, on February the 8th, I'm trying to be very random, that Christ was coming back, you know what we do? We'd sit right here. And we'd shout it out. We'd do nothing. There's a reason, 
And God probably has plenty more reasons that we don't know when it's going to be. But then he said in verse 8, but now he talks about that's in God's power. In verse 7, in verse 8 he says, but ye shall receive power. Same word, just a different power. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He's already told them they're going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And now he's telling them when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. You are to tell people about me. When they put somebody on trial and they call a witness up, they don't want, a, they don't want a, a witness or a, a testimony of uh, somebody that's not even considered in the case. They want to know their testimony of what happened about the, the murder or the thief or the whatever, uh, kidnapping or whatever it is somebody's on trial for. They want to know what that person knows about that. And so when Jesus says, you are to be witness of me, is tell them what you know about me. That's all it is. Tell them what you know about me. Well, if you're saved, you know the right thing about Jesus. It's not something you have to go to train for. I'm not saying that training won't help, may improve, uh, may encourage. But when you're saved, when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, you have the power to be witnesses unto me, and that me is Jesus. And it says, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and it says, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So that covers us, right? Because we can say, well, I can't witness in Jerusalem, I can't witness in Judea, I can't witness in Samaria, but we cannot say, I cannot witness anywhere in the earth. Because we can witness where? Where we are. We have that power. It's not a suggestion. It's not saying that, you know, one day after you're saved so many years, you're going to get this power, you're going to learn, you're going to learn something, and then you're going to be able to. You have the power. If you're saved, you have the power. It is impossible to adequate study of transforming truths without discussing the one who does the transforming work. Now, we've talked about nine other transforming truths up to this time. This is Lesson 10. And, and what, is, what lesson the book is saying right now is somewhere in this, we have to talk about who, give, who enables us to complete these transforming truths in our lives. It's not because we read it and we studied it uh, that we figured out how to do it. It's that we read it and we studied it and God gives us the power to do it. It's the Holy Spirit within us that enables us to do it. So we can't say, well, I know that I know you do that and uh, I can't go to Brother Bart. Brother Bart, I know you're a great witness for God. He said, but that's, that's just not me. I'm glad you do it. I'm glad you have that ability, but I just don't have it. Yeah, I do have it. I can't say that. I have it too. He has no more ability than I have. All I have to do is do it. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit enables us 
to do every aspect of God's will, including obeying Christ's last commandment, the command to reach the world with the gospel. Now, we did some uh, staff training yesterday, and uh, we have on our agenda as staff to write out our obituary, what we would want it to say. Not going to be easy. Not going to be easy. And like our pastor usually does, if he asks us to do something, then he's either going to do it or already done it, and he's already done it, and he read his to us. Now, get back to where I was here. So the Holy Spirit enables us to do every aspect, obeying Christ's last commandment, the command to reach the world with the gospel. Now, when we uh, think about it, we think about an obituary, uh, then uh, hopefully uh, somebody that has an obituary, before that had a will, and we call it the last will and testament. But we have the, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is the last will and testament, and the last part of the will and testament of Jesus Christ is witness for me. Be my witness. It's really the greatest command that we have, the greatest thing that we can do. Now, we can do other things, and we may be able to, uh, we may be very good at following other commands of Christ, but this is the greatest command. This is the one that makes the most difference. This is the one that can do the most good. And we don't have to be somebody, we don't have to be Billy Sunday that reaches a million souls. We just have to be the one that reached the one that reached Billy Sunday. We have to be the one that reaches the ones that we can get to, the ones that we can, the ones that we have that God makes available to us. We need to realize that we have that power to witness if we're saved. Our flesh, Satan, the world will put everything upon us, everything in front of us to stop us from doing that. But we have no excuse. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I've done it every time I should. No, I haven't done it every time I should. But I have no excuse for the times I didn't do it. <clears throat> Through the Holy Spirit's leading and strength, we can spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. We've lost the importance of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We don't, I won't say just realize, because we do realize, but it's not in the forefront of our mind. The Holy Spirit is indwelling in us. When we got saved, it was in the forefront of our mind that God, through the Holy Spirit, saved us. We might not know the wording. We might not have been able to say it exactly like that. But we definitely felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we would keep, we would keep the knowledge of the power to witness in our minds... 
If we would keep that ever present before us, it would keep the Holy Spirit ever present. We would feel it and be able to use it. But we get too much on our minds and too much negative stuff about witnessing on our minds. And we just completely fail to realize and remember that the Holy Spirit indwells in us. It's, it's not something that you gain later on. It's not a second filling of the Holy Spirit. You can get closer to God. You can get more of the Holy Spirit. But you always have the power to witness once you're saved. We're going to read Acts chapter 8, verse 9 through 24. And this may... Uh, Seems like I'm not really going in the opposite direction, uh, but I, I, we'll read the verses and then we'll talk about them. This is not in your uh, outline, but when we read these verses, we must understand this is a transition period of receiving the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was not yet immediately given upon receiving Christ as Savior, so we got to get that in our mind. Uh, and we're not going to go over the whole transition period and when people begin to immediately receive the Holy Spirit. But at, in chap, Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of hands of the apostles. Okay? So when we read that, don't say, well, I haven't had my hands laid on me. It's not talking about you. It's not talking about now. Okay? <clears throat> but verse 9, Acts chapter 8. But there was a certain man called Simon. And I think it's sort of, might be bad to say this, I know, ironic that Peter is the apostle we're dealing with here, and his name is Simon Peter, and he's dealing with a man named Simon. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. Now, we don't have to question this fact. Was Simon saved? God said Simon believed. He was saved, okay? We'll meet Simon one day in heaven. He, he's there. Now, we may read later on what he did and we say, well, no, no way, he was saved. But he was saved. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, Beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. You say, it's big news. This is Samaria, right? When Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, all the apostles said, what's he doing talking to her? What's he doing up there? Well, now Philip has gone into Samaria, right? And Philip has told the gospel. And people are getting saved in Samaria again. And they're getting baptized. <clears throat> now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent unto them Peter and John who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost <clears throat> <excuse me. clears throat> 
And here's the transition I'm talking about. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know what it would be like to be saved and then later on get that indwelling. When we got saved, we got the indwelling. We felt it. We knew it. Right? Now, it's hard to say somebody's lost. Hard for them to understand that, but if you got saved, you know it. Well, they got saved and they didn't have it yet. <coughs> so the apostles came, and all those that had been uh, saved, they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, Simon, again, we, Simon's saved, but he don't have the Holy Ghost. They lay their hands on him. He receives the Holy Ghost. Whereas yet he was fallen none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Yeah, he was saved. But you have to remember his background. <clears throat> We still have this flesh, right? When you got saved, there's a background of before you got saved. And there are things that would influence you that would never influence me. There are things that would influence me to do wrong that would never influence you. Simon's background was showing that you had power and receiving money for it. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, we talked about the power that <clears throat> the apostles and disciples wanted. They wanted to know uh, exactly when God was coming back and going to have the power to throw out the Romans. He said, that's, that's, not, that's not your power. Your power is to witness. Now, Simon is wanting the power to give the Holy Ghost. And Peter's about to tell him, that's not your power. That's not, that's not for you. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon said, Pray ye the Lord for me, that none of these things which he has spoken come upon me. So he did wrong, and he asked forgiveness. Along with Peter, we can easily see that what Simon was trying to do was wicked. If we saw somebody do that today, we'd say, he's straight from the devil. He, he's going to hell. He shouldn't be doing that. This is the man that was saved that was doing that. So be careful when you see a preacher saying something, doing something wrong, that you say he's, he's from going to hell. Because man can mess up. Always be aware of what you say about a man that says he's a preacher, don't put it on yourself to figure out whether he really is or not. 
Along with Peter, we see that Simon was trying to do, what Simon was trying to do was wicked. While Simon's method was all wrong and wicked, his understanding of the importance and value of the Holy Ghost is commendable. He knew exactly what receiving the Holy Ghost meant because he had just received the Holy Ghost. Having the Holy Ghost is valuable. It's the greatest thing that you can ever own. The greatest thing you can ever have is the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. And Simon recognized the value of this. Now, yes, wickedly, he wanted to turn it into profit, no doubt. But he recognized the value and the importance of it. Today's Christians do not recognize the value and the importance of being dwelled in the Holy Spirit. But he knew exactly what it was. It wasn't somebody that didn't know the Holy Spirit. He knew the Holy Spirit. We we were just told in the Word of God that he had received the Holy Spirit. So that tells us that just because we have the Holy Spirit, we don't always use it like we should. Now, I don't know from this point on, Simon may have been one of the greatest Christians in his neighborhood. I don't know. But I do know he asked forgiveness where he was wrong. But we need to realize the value of the Holy Spirit. Whatever we're doing, what witnessing or whatever God calls us to do, we need to realize that it is the Holy Ghost that gives us that power. We can do it. We don't have to be saved, and we can do exactly the same thing we do, but we need the Holy Spirit to reach out and touch other souls. (coughs) We need the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit can, when He indwells in you, can give you Knowledge that you didn't know you had. If somebody asks you, say, now, I know you've heard this verse before, now quote it to me. Tell me what it says. Well, I don't remember. Do you know when you're witnessing to somebody, God can give you that? Put it in your mind. Where'd that come from? Holy Spirit. Now, you got to put it in there first. got to read and study it. He's not going to give you a vision of it, but he can recall. That's what Jesus told him. He said, you'll remember everything I told you. Don't, take, don't worry about what you're going to say. It'll come because you have the Holy Spirit. Now, do we value the Holy Spirit the way that we should? Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, may it not just indwell, but richly indwell and influence our lives that we may be a suitable witness for you. In Jesus' name I pray.